0: Chapter Twenty Seven of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume Two. Twenty Years After, by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The four old friends prepare to meet again. Well, said Porthos, seated in the courtyard of the Hotel de la Chevrette, to D'Artagnan, who, with a long and melancholy face, had returned from the Palais Royal. Did he receive you ungraciously, my dear friend? Faith, yes, a brute, that cardinal. What are you eating there, Porthos? I am dipping a biscuit in a glass of Spanish wine. Do the same. You are right. Gimblau, a glass of wine. Well, how has all gone off? Sounds. You know there's only one way of saying things, so I went in and said, my lord, we were not the strongest party yes i know that he said but give me the particulars you know porthos i could not give him the particulars without naming our friends to name them would be to commit them to ruin so i merely said they were fifty and we were two there was firing nevertheless i heard he said and your swords they saw the light of day i presume that is the night my lord i answered ah cried the cardinal i thought you were a gascon my friend i am a gascon said i only when i succeed the answer pleased him and he laughed that will teach me he said to have my guards provided with better horses for if they had been able to keep up with you and if each one of them had done as much as you and your friend you would have kept your word and would have brought him back to me dead or alive well there's nothing bad in that it seems to me said porthos oh mon dieu no nothing at all it was the way in which he spoke it is incredible how these biscuits soak up wine they are veritable sponges Gimble, another bottle the bottle was brought with a promptness which showed the degree of consideration d'artagnan enjoyed in the establishment he continued so i was going away but he called me back you have had three horses foundered or killed he asked me yes my lord how much were they worth why said porthos that was very good of him it seems to me a thousand pistoles i said a thousand pistoles porthos exclaimed oh ho that is a large sum if he knew anything about horses he would dispute the price faith he was very much inclined to do so the contemptible fellow he made a great start and looked at me i also looked at him then he understood and putting his hand into a drawer he took from it a quantity of notes on a bank in lyon for a thousand pistoles for a thousand pistoles Just that amount, the beggar, not one too many. And you have them? They are here. Upon my word, I think he acted very generously. Generously? To men who had risked their lives for him, and besides, had done him a great service. A great service? What was that? Why, it seems that I crushed for him a Parliament councillor. "'What, that little man in black that you upset at the corner of St. Jean's Cemetery?' "'That's the man, my dear fellow. He was an annoyance to the cardinal. Unfortunately, I didn't crush him flat. It seems that he came to himself and that he will continue to be an annoyance.' "'See that now,' said Porthos. "'And I turned my horse aside from going plump on to him. That will be for another time.' He owed me for the councillor the pettifogger. But, said Porthos, if he was not crushed completely... Ah, monsieur de Richelieu would have said, five hundred crowns for the councillor. Well, let's say no more about it. How much were your animals worth, Porthos? Ah, if poor Mousqueton were here, he could tell you to a fraction. No matter. You can tell within ten crowns. Why, Vulcan and Bayard cost me each about two hundred pistoles, and uh, putting Phoebus at a hundred and fifty, we should be pretty near the amount. There will remain, then, four hundred and fifty pistoles, said D'Artagnan contentedly. Yes, said Porthos, but there are the equipments that is very true well how much for the equipments if we say one hundred pistoles for the three good for the hundred pistoles there remains then three hundred and fifty porthos made a sign of assent we will give the fifty pistoles to the hostess for our expenses said d'artagnan and share the three hundred we will share said porthos a paltry piece of business murmured d'artagnan crumpling his note pooh said porthos it is always that but tell me what didn't he speak of me in any way ah yes indeed cried d'artagnan who was afraid of disheartening his friend by telling him that the cardinal had not breathed a word about him yes surely he said he said resumed porthos stop i want to remember his exact words he said as to your friend tell him he may sleep in peace good very good said porthos that signified as clear as daylight that he still intends to make me a baron at this moment nine o'clock struck d'artagnan started ah yes said porthos there is nine o'clock we have a rendezvous you remember at the place royale oh stop hold your peace porthos don't remind me of it tis that which has made me so cross since yesterday i shall not go why asked porthos because it is a grievous thing for me to meet again those two men Who caused the failure of our enterprise? And yet, said Porthos, neither of them had any advantage over us. I still had a loaded pistol, and you were in full fight, sword in hand. Yes, said D'Artagnan, but what if this rendezvous had some hidden purpose? Oh, said Porthos, you can't think that, D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan did not believe Athos to be capable of a deception, but he sought an excuse for not going to the rendezvous. "'We must go,' said the superb lord of Bracieux, "'Lest they should say we were afraid, we who have faced fifty foes on the high road can well meet two in the Place Royale.' "'Yes, yes.' but they took part with the princes without apprising us of it athos and aramis have played a game with me which alarms me we discovered yesterday the truth what is the use of going to-day to learn something else you really have some distrust then said porthos of aramis yes since he has become an abbe you can't imagine my dear fellow the sort of man he is he sees us on the road which leads him to a bishopric and perhaps will not be sorry to get us out of the way ah as regards aramis that is another thing said porthos and it wouldn't surprise me at all perhaps monsieur de beaufort will try in his turn to lay hands on us nonsense he had us in his power and he let us go besides We can be on our guard. Let us take arms. Let Planchet post himself behind us with his carbine. Planchet is a frondeur, answered d'Artagnan. Devil take these civil wars. One can no more now reckon on one's friends than on one's footmen, said Porthos. Ah, if Mousqueton were here, there's a fellow who will never desert me. So long as you are rich ah my friend tis not civil war that disunites us it is that we are each of us twenty years older it is that the honest emotions of youth have given place to suggestions of interest whispers of ambition counsels of selfishness yes you are right let us go porthos but let us go well armed were we not to keep the rendezvous they would declare we were afraid hello Blanchet, here, saddle our horses, take your carbine." "'Whom are we going to attack, sir?' "'No one, a mere matter of precaution,' answered the Gascon. "'You know, sir, that they wish to murder that good councillor, Bruxelles, the father of the people.' "'Really, did they?' said D'Artagnan yes but he has been avenged he was carried home in the arms of the people his house has been full ever since he has received visits from the coadjutor from madame de longueville and the prince de conti madame de chevreuse and madame de vendome has left their names at his door and now whenever he wishes well whenever he wishes planchet began to sing un vent de fronde s'est levé ce matin je crois qu'il gronde contre leur mazarin un vent de fronde s'est levé ce matin it doesn't surprise me said d'artagnan in a low tone to porthos that mazarin would have been much better satisfied had i crushed the life out of his counselor you understand then monsieur resumed planchet that if it were for some enterprise like that undertaken against monsieur broussel that you should ask me to take my carbine no don't be alarmed but where did you get all these details from a good source sir i heard it from friquet from friquet i know that name a son of monsieur de broussel's servant And a lad that, I promise you, in a revolt, will not give away his share to the dogs. "'Is he not a singing boy at Notre Dame?' asked D'Artagnan. "'Yes, that is the very boy. He's patronized by Bazin.' "'Ah, yes, I know.' "'Of what importance is this little reptile to you?' asked Porthos. "'Gad!' replied d'artagnan he has already given me good information and he may do the same again whilst all this was going on athos and aramis were entering paris by the faubourg saint antoine they had taken some refreshment of the road and hastened on that they might not fail at the appointed place bazin was their only attendant for grimaud had stayed behind to take care of mousqueton as they were passing onward athos proposed that they should lay aside their arms in military costume And assume a dress more suited to the city oh no dear count cried aramis is it not a warlike encounter that we are going to what do you mean aramis that the place royale is the termination to the main road to vendemois and nothing else what our friends are become our most dangerous enemies athos let us be on our guard oh my dear d'herblay who can say whether d'artagnan may not have betrayed us to the cardinal who can tell whether mazarin may not take advantage of this rendezvous to seize us what aramis you think that d'artagnan that porthos would lend their hands to such an infamy among friends my dear athos no you are right but among enemies It would be only a stratagem. Athos crossed his arms and bowed his noble head. "'What can you expect, Athos? Men are so made, and we are not always twenty years old. We have cruelly wounded, as you know, that personal pride by which D'Artagnan is blindly governed. He has been beaten. Did you not observe his despair on the journey? As to Porthos, his barony was perhaps dependent on that affair.' well he found us on his road and will not be baron this time perhaps that famous barony which has something to do with our interview this evening let us take our precautions athos but suppose they come armed what a disgrace to us oh never fear besides if they do we can easily make an excuse "'we came straight off a journey, and our insurgents too.' "'An excuse for us, to meet D'Artagnan with a false excuse. (sighs) "'To have to make a false excuse to Porthos. "'Oh, Aramis!' continued Athos, shaking his head mournfully. "'Upon my soul, you make me the most miserable of men. "'You disenchant a heart not wholly dead to friendship.' Go in whatever guise you choose. For my part, I shall go unarmed. No, for I will not allow you to do so. Tis not one man, not Athos only, not the Comte de La Fere, whom you will ruin by this amiable weakness, but a whole party to whom you belong, and who depend upon you. Be it so, then, replied Athos sorrowfully, and they pursued their road in mournful silence. Scarcely had they reached, by the Rue de la Mule, the iron gate of the Place Royale, when they perceived three cavaliers, d'Artagnan, Porthos, and Planchet, the two former wrapped up in their military cloaks, under which their swords were hidden, and Planchet, his musket, by his side. They were waiting at the entrance of the Rue St. Catherine, and their horses were fastened to the rings of the Arcade. Athos therefore commanded Bazin to fasten up his horse and that of Aramis in the same manner. They then advanced two and two, and saluted each other politely. "Now, where will it be agreed, both you, that we hold our conference?" inquired Aramis, perceiving that people were stopping to look at them, supposing that they were going to engage in one of those far-famed duels still extant in the memory of the Parisians, and especially the inhabitants of the Place Royale the gate is shut said aramis but if these gentlemen like a cool retreat under the trees and perfect seclusion i will get the key from the hotel de rohan and we will be well suited d'artagnan darted a look into the obscurity of the place porthos ventured to put his head between the railings to try if his glance could penetrate the gloom if you prefer any other place said athos in his persuasive voice choose for yourselves. This place, if Monsieur d'Herblay can procure the key, is the best that we can have, was the answer. Aramis went off at once, begging Athos not to remain alone within reach of D'Artagnan and Porthos, a piece of advice which was received with a contemptuous smile. Aramis returned soon with a man from the Hotel de Rohan, who was saying to him, You swear, sir, that it is not so? stop and aramis gave him a louis d'or ah you will not swear my master said the concierge shaking his head well one can never say what may happen at present we and these gentlemen are excellent friends yes certainly added athos and the other two d'artagnan had heard the conversation and had understood it you see he said to porthos what do i see that he wouldn't swear swear what that a man wanted aramis to swear that we are not going to the place royale to fight and aramis wouldn't swear no attention then athos did not lose sight of the two speakers aramis opened the gate and faced around in order that d'artagnan and porthos might enter in passing through the gate The hilt of the lieutenant's sword was caught in the grating and he was obliged to pull off his cloak. In doing so he showed the butt end of his pistols and a ray of the moon was reflected on the shining metal. "'Do you see?' whispered Aramis to Athos, touching his shoulder with one hand and pointing with the other to the arms which the Gascon wore under his belt. "'Alas, I do,' replied Athos with a deep sigh. He entered third, and Aramis, who shut the gate after him last, the two serving men waited without. But as if they likewise mistrusted each other, they kept their respective distances. End of chapter 27. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.